Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno and Metal Forever March. Oh, the Ides of March are with us. Celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Good evening, everybody. For this week, I'm Mick Vernomatic, and welcome to this week's show. As always, new content drops every Thursday night. MetalMayhemROC.com is your go-to site for all show-related information. There you'll find direct links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. While you're there, download past shows, follow the podcast, review, subscribe, sign up for our email newsletter, That's your direct link to everything going on with the show. New content automatically gets you into drawing for um, show merchandise that we give away every couple weeks. A couple weeks ago, we gave away the Black Sabbath, New Deluxe, Heaven and Hell, and Mob Rules. Earlier this year, we were giving away the Rob Halford book. So when we get some freebies, we pass it along to you. Tonight's feature interview is Ricky Warwick. He's from Thin Lizzy, Black Star Riders, One of his first bands about 20, 25 years ago was the Almighty. Now, Ricky's from Ireland. He's a native, so we're keeping with our theme of uh, celebrating St. Patrick's Day. He joined Thin Lizzy about 10, 15 years ago when they got back together. And then that band turned into what is now Black Star Riders. Now, you're wondering, hey, McVernomatic, are these guys really metal? Well, they have ties to the metal community because... Thin Lizzy and Black Star Riders have toured extensively with Judas Priest and uh, Kiss and Saxon. Just last tour, they were third on the bill with Saxon and Judas Priest on the Firepower. So we're spreading our wings a little bit tonight and bringing in some uh, distant cousins of metal. Ricky has a new album out called When Life Was Hard and Fast. It's a solo album. It's his fifth effort. And it's sort of an all-star cast. Uh, Joe Elliott of Def Leppard helped produce it, and he's on it. Andy Taylor of um, you know Power Station, he helped with it. And Keith Nelson of Buck Cherry ended up producing the album and writing it, a lot of the tracks, with Ricky as well. So Ricky's here to tell us about how that all came about. He's a cool guy. Metal Forever Mark, my partner in all this, he'll be joining me after the interview, and we have a cool Metal Confession segment for you. Just to remind you that Monday nights on NetMetalStation.com, the Metal Mayhem ROC live radio show, it's an interactive show, it's live metal, I host it. There's a chat room where you can interact with me throughout the show, it's really cool times, There's some listeners that have been coming over and listening with me and doing the show. I appreciate it. So that's about it. Here it is. Ricky Warwick, Thin Lizzy, Black Star Riders. I'm Mick Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Hey, listen up. 
Now get that popcorn ready and grab a seat. Do it! As the Vernomatic and Metal Forever Mark presents this week's feature interview. Exclusively here on Metal Mayhem ROC. So we have on the line from California, Ricky Warwick, Black Star Riders, Thin Lizzy, the Almighties. Hey, Ricky, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show, John. How are you doing? We're doing well. You know, it's uh, early March. Things are heating up here. I'm in Rochester, New York. So we have our warm days. We have our cold days. But... <laughs> yeah, you're all over the place right now, right? Up and down is over there on the East Coast. Yeah, but uh, thankfully we've been knock on wood, avoiding any of these storms that different parts of the country is experiencing. So we uh, Glad to hear it. count Glad our blessings. Good, good, good. We're excited. Um, February 19th, the release of the fifth solo album, When Life Was Hard and Fast. Congratulations. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about it. I hate to say an all-star cast, but a lot of your rock and roll friends are contributing. The end result is something you're very proud of. Uh, yes to all those statements of intent on um yeah man i mean um i'm really proud of this record um i've been sitting on it a while because it's been finished since april sort of 2019 um so to finally get the thing out almost two years after we finished recording it um is wonderful cobra just with a great keith nelson uh, uh listeners are obviously aware of keith from his days in, in the, the band buck cherry uh co-written with keith as well um, and a lot, like you said, I'm very blessed to have some really good buddies on there that just happen to be incredible musicians and make music that I love in their own right. So very blessed to be able to reach out to them. You know, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, Luke Morley from the band Thunder in the UK, Andy Taylor from Duran Duran Power Station, Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses. Um, just wonderful to have them contribute to the record. And uh, that's the beauty of a solo record. You, you, you're able to kind of do what the hell you want and have your, whoever you want play on it. and. Uh, I certainly went for it. <laughs> now, you mentioned that this album was done and in the can for a little bit. And yeah. so it wasn't a COVID release. It was planned on coming out in February 21. Yeah. Not, not jumping ahead, but what is the touring plans? I think it's going to be slow. I think it's going to be a slow rollout. And I think things really won't kick into gear until 2022. So I've kind of shelled pretty much everything that I was planning on doing until 2022. You know, as you rightly said, John, right now I should be out on the road touring this album. That was the plan. Um, but sadly, you know, we're not, we're not at that, that place yet where that can happen. So, you know, end of the year, 2022, I, as soon as it's okay, I'll be, I'll be out there with a vengeance. Try stopping me. Yeah. You and <laughs> you and everyone else. Right. Me and the whole world. The, re the relationship with uh, Keith Nelson. Yeah. Quickly tell the story about how uh, you were looking for a replacement when the guitarist yeah. Damon Damon left the band and right. Keith came in. Now, you've been old friends with Keith. He ended up being a producer and collaborating as a musician on this. Well, that, Keith and I aren't old friends. That's the thing. I've only known Keith for three years. I'd never met Keith before I started working on this record with him. That's the that's the, the beauty of this whole thing was Damon Johnson left Black Star Riders and we obviously we had a guitar player void to fill. And a, another good buddy of mine, Richard Fortas, who's in Guns N' Roses, mm -hmm. you know, I called him up and said, Keith, or anybody said, look, Keith Nelson's just left Buck Cherry. He said, I know Keith. He, he's a great guy and a great guitar player. He'd be ideal. Um, do you know him? I said, well, of course, I heard it. I heard of the dude. I, you know, I know all about Buck Cherry. 
I said, but I've never met the guy. He says, well, here's his number. Call him up. So I got his number, called him up, told him what was the situation with the Black Star Riders. He said, hey, man, you know, let's meet up. And I went, okay. So we met up in Barney's Beanery, North Hollywood, one morning about 10 o'clock. And he walked in. The first thing out of his mouth was, I'm not your guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was kind of like, okay, well, why are we meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning? You know, what really, can you not just call me that on the phone? And, you know, bless Keith. This shows the type of guy that he is. He said, I love the band. I love what you do. He said, out of respect, I wanted to come down and meet you and tell you why, you know, you know, I'm not going to take up your offer. And, you know, he said he just didn't want to tour anymore. He was one of the reasons he left Buck Cherry was he didn't want to do the six, seven months on the road anymore. He felt he put his time in. He wanted, he had a studio. He wanted to concentrate on writing and producing. Uh, which I totally respect and get. So the conversation then escalated to, shall we write a song together? Would you like to come over and see, see the studio setup I have? And I said, yeah. And uh, we went over and, and we, we we worked on the song Fighting Heart, which actually ended up being on the record. And straight away, there was a chemistry. You can just tell when something when something's good. You, just, you know, right, right out of the gate, there's a chemistry and a vibe. And both working class boys, both about the same age, both the same, same influences in music, both a huge love of vintage guitars. So there's a huge connection there. And I took the demo of the song away and I was listening to it um, for a few days. And I went, man, that was great. I said, uh, you know what? I'm going to call this guy up and ask him, does he want to do the next solo record with me? And, and I did. And he said, yes. And that was it. And it worked out great because we ended up getting Christian Martucci to play. He's joined Black Star Writers now. He's phenomenal. So it was a win-win all around. Have you found that even though you had your stint in Thin Lizzy and the Almighty had their successful early run over in the UK and overseas. Explain to me how the solo career of your solo albums has progressed from the first one to the new one. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been a solo artist now for 20 years when the Almighty disbanded. Um, I moved back to, to Dublin, Ireland and, uh, it was a little bit of a loss for a few months about what to do musically and just, you know, where to go. And I'd, I'd been working on some acoustic demos and Joe Elliott heard them and he went, these are great, man. You know, he says, you, this is something you should do. He said that the, the, and I was always like, nah, it's got to be a wall of Marshalls and loud guitars. And I can, I can never go and stand on my own. And he really pushed me and I was able to secure a publishing deal with a great publishing company called Peer Music that are based out of Nashville. And they were instrumental in giving me some you know, some finances to get in and demo. And Joe said, "Look, my studio is available. Let's go to my studio, and I will, I will, you know, I'll, I'll help you. I'll produce these songs." And and which we did. And I went down the whole sort of down that road, which I'd never been down before. This coming at it from an acoustic, you know, um, angle. And Joe was very instrumental in producing my first album, Tattoos and Alibis, which came out in two thousand and three. And really, that kickstarted the whole solo thing with me. Um, and you know, I, then I went and then Def Leppard took me out on tour the following year for almost a year. I opened up solo acoustic for Def Leppard all over the world, which was unbelievable. And uh, that was really the springboard to sort of everything. And then, you know, I, I've tried obviously back in the the early two thousand. The solo career was all I was was my full time gig, you know. So I was able to put albums out more regularly. But then when I got the chance to sing for Thin Lizzy, obviously we started touring a lot with Thin Lizzy. Um, and I had to sort of work the solo stuff around that. And then my Blackstar Riders kicked in. Um, I, I refer to Blackstar Riders as the day job because that's really my main my main gig. So I, I, I tend to have to sort of fit everything around um, their schedules and what's going on with them. Oh, of course. And the writing angle, when you have the solo effort, 
it's a, like you said, a little more acoustic guitar and you're calling all the shots and then vice versa. You're responsible for everything. But when you're with uh, Scott uh, Gorham and the uh, Black Star Rider guys, what's the writing <laughs> arrangement with that? You know, actually, honestly, it's, it's terrible. It's not that much different. I'm still calling the shots because I'm still writing most of this stuff. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still, when I write a song for Blackster Writers, I, I will maybe only go so far with it. And, and sometimes I'll finish it. It just depends. But I'm very aware of what Scott Gorham, what Christian, what Chad, what Robbie are going to bring to that song. And I want them to put their ideas and input into it. So I'll go ahead, guys. I got this verse, I got this riff. What do you think? What are your ideas? And and that's the thing with Black Star Riders. I mean, I'll write all the lyrics for Black Star Riders. I write the majority of the guitar riffs as well. Their input is vital. And it's, it's definitely a team and it's definitely a democracy and it's definitely a band. And that is the big difference. The solo stuff, you know, you get to be as nar- narcissistic as you want to be with that um, because it, it just is, you know. But I always like to have other people's opinions, hence why I always like to work with a producer why working with Keith was so vital this time because I trust Keith's judgment. Plus I also like seeing what people bring to my ideas. They'll maybe take them to a place that I never thought, you know, I, I would go that I, I would take them to, or they'll hear something differently. Sometimes that doesn't work. That's the, the beauty of, again, of, of a democracy when you're in the studio. But um, I like, I don't like flying solo, totally solo, if you know what I mean. Oh yes. I, I know what you mean. And a, a sounding board, is always beneficial rather than that little voice in your head. If you could, yeah, you know, so there is a blending of solo material and black star. Maybe you take something from this, bring it into that. But at the end of the day, each identity, each unit has its own identity. Of course. And you know, I can't really separate myself from myself, you know, that when it comes to writing, but the big difference is what the other people play on the ideas that you that you that you create so with black star writers like i said you're going to get the other guys putting their person personality all over that idea um with the solo stuff predominantly it's obviously more me um although with obviously keith on the on this new record having his influence on that we're talking with uh ricky warwick the solo album when life was hard and fast ricky let's dive into this uh solo album there's a track sure. out there that really struck me when the title track, When Life Was Hard hard and Fast, it reminds me, we had John Bush of Armored Saint on earlier in mm-hmm. the fall, and they have a new song called uh, The uh, Decline of the Attention Span. And right. the, the angle of that song is society, the attention mm-hmm. span's just getting down to, you know, milliseconds now. And of what, course. Yeah, what I got out of your song was sort of like a, a flashback to how things used to be. Yeah, it's it's a very that song is very autobiographical. It's really what life was like for me growing up in Belfast in the seventies and eighties, pre-internet, pre-cell phone, and and the hopes and the aspirations that I had as a kid um, about trying to get, you know, obviously Belfast sadly back then was a very dark place. Not just the weather, but obviously with everything that was going on politically. And it certainly was a quite unique childhood growing up there. And we were always looking at bands that had broken out like Thin Lizzy, you know, like U2, like Stiff Little Fingers, like Rory Gallagher. They're Irish. They're famous. They're all over the world. They can do it. We can do it. As kids, it gave us so much hope. 
um, and certainly it did for me. So I think it was really, you know, the abandonment and the innocence of youth and, and the dreams of youth, you know, the dreams of children, as it were, um, looking forward. And I co-wrote the lyrics for that uh, with, a, with, a, with a really good friend of mine from Belfast. We, we grew up together. And I mean, that's the first line. We grew up, well, we grew up together along a rain lash road. You know, that was, that was us. That was us when we were kids. So, yeah, it's that throwback to sort of my childhood and my hopes and my aspirations. But I'm not one of those people. I don't hark for the, oh, it was so much better in my day. I wish we could go back there. I'm not like that at all. I'm very much about moving forward and embracing the future because, you know, time's all about flux. It's all about change. It's all about moving forward. And I think that's healthy. Um, so I think you've got to go back to the past past if you want to visit visit the future. That's how I look at it. Oh, sure. We Sometimes you uh, remember the past a little better than it was. You only remember yeah. the good parts. But there's definitely, you know, we're about the same age. I'm in my early 50s. And there's definitely stuff yeah, we, me too. we miss from how it used to be. And I'm sure you remember your parents telling you it was better than in their day as well from their generation, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I'm kind of like, really, you know, really, you, you know, you were, you, you lived through a war, the second world war. How was it better? You know? I know, but <laughs> yeah. well, we, we've got it easy compared to what, what they went through, you know, <laughs> now growing up in uh, Ireland, um, did you know Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio and no, no never met Vivian until I met him. You know what I mean? Never met Vivian until, until uh, I got to know Joe and Def Leppard and, and met him. I mean, you know. Look, you know, I, I, Ireland's a small country, but it's not that small. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, it's. But obviously, he was aware of him being Dio, and you know, obviously, a local hero. Any any musician that does well coming out of Northern Ireland, you, you're talking a country. Northern Ireland's got a population of what, two million people, so you know, you're talking anybody that that, that is famous on a worldwide stage, you certainly take notice of. Um, but never got to know Vivian until about oh mid nineties. I got to know Vivian really well. And he, he's a he's a great friend though. He's a really good friend though. Now I noticed the album and is through Nuclear Blast and the Black Stars. They've been handling yeah. them. You've been in this day and age. It's a credit to be on the same record label for a while. It is. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm very proud of that fact. I mean, almost nine years with Nuclear Blast, which is incredible. Now I noticed that Thin Lizzy did a lot of touring with Judas Priest and Black Star Riders. They did a few tours with Judas Priest in the last six or seven years. Is mm -hmm. that a metal connection through Nuclear Blast? How does that all come about? No, I mean there's there's various reasons. I mean, there's there's nothing to do with Nuclear Blast. No, no disrespect to Nuclear Blast. There's a lot of old friendships there. I mean, Scott obviously goes way back with those guys and those Gorham knows those guys from back in the day, you know, you know, Glenn and, and KK when he was in the band and obviously Rob mm -hmm. and Bill and all those guys that they've been friends for years. Um, the priest guys are fans. The Lizzie fans are fans of black star riders, their management and, and Rob himself has, has always been very vocal and supportive of, of taking Lizzie out and the black star riders. We've obviously done the U S tour. We've done quite a few shows with them in Europe as well, but also four members of, of, crew guys that used to work on we used to work for my old band the almighty are actually work for judas priest now and have done for many years they're, they're out of front sound guy and production manager is the old the almighty's old sound guy and tour manager so there's a huge connection there you know again it's friendship sports and rock and roll it stands you in good stead over the years so we're you know we're, we're both camps are very intimately friendly with each other and huge mutual respect of both bands and priest have been so so good to us over the years oh sure it's the uh 
six degrees, you know, like you just said. Yeah, of course. The uh, yeah. Almighty's earlier in your career, you're into the punk movement and, and the metal, and I guess it's once in the blood, it's always in the blood. Like you take someone like Andy Taylor, for instance. Sure, sure he gained notoriety with Duran Duran, but mm-hmm. you know that Power Station stuff was was kick ass. And here he is 30 plus years into his career and he's working with rockers. So you can never really tell it's, you always have to pull the curtain back and you absolutely, see, and you see that, um, yeah. like, like you said, you don't need a wall of marshals and it being blaring to get a message across. Yeah. And I think that's something I learned. I learned that you don't need to yell and shout and like turn everything up. You know, the, there's subtle ways, you know, you can get a big sledgehammer and beat somebody over the head with it. It's a very graphic version of what metaphor I'm using here. But if you have a little hammer and just repeatedly tap on somebody's on, on somebody with that, you're going to get your message through as well. <laughs> of course. And, you know, you know, and I think that's the way I looked at it. I, it was the more fear of the unknown, you know, hiding behind that wall of sound and, and, and everything had to be in your face and blah, blah, blah. And then going and, and watching a lot of these acoustic artists perform and the the skill of commanding an audience, audience with just you and a guitar and keeping their attention um is awesome and it's, it was a huge challenge to me and something that I had to I had to take up the gauntlet to do because I was just like I, I gotta try and do this these guys are I mean these these guys are the guys with the re- these are the ones that you know on the front line it's you know it makes easy standing behind that wall of noise and that, that's easy because you've got that and you've got these little guys you go I mean Dude, you know, you walk out in Mandalay Bay in front of thirteen thousand people, rabid Def Leppard fans armed with an acoustic guitar. You see, you suddenly, you suddenly know how good you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's a sink or swim right from the start. And if you're swimming, you know they'll they'll take you right in as their own. Oh man, absolutely. You know, I mean that was the baptism of fire. I mean, like I, I think the the third or fourth acoustic gig that I ever played was opening for Leopard at the Mandalay Bay. You know, in Vegas in front of you know, a sold out arena walking home with the acoustic guitar. And you, you know, I've been there, John, I've been to shows and I've been, you know, when the guy walks out with the acoustic guitar and you can hear the audience groan, they go, Oh God, uh, it's going to be some, some singer songwriter, <laughs> feel my pain. Woe is me. You know, and I'm the, you know, you, you know, at a, at a rock show, you, you want to rock. But I think when people see when I do the acoustic show, you know, I'm playing the guitar like my life depends upon it. I'm playing mm-hmm. it as if it, it you know, there's an, there's an edge to it. There's an aggression to it. You know, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm there to entertain people and, and rock just as hard as if I did have that band and that wall of Marshall behind me. Now, when you got offered that gig, seeing Joe and you are tight, was there behind closed doors? Did you know you two talk and say, "Hey, is this really a good idea?" Sure, you got the exposure and everything, or is it <laughs> is it career suicide? Are you going to have thirteen thousand people walk away going, "Ah, who is that guy?" Yeah, you got to take a risk. You know, life's it's 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 a you know it's like any business. You take risks, and sometimes yeah. they come off and they don't. Joe believed in me, and that was amazing, and that gave me the confidence. As did the other guys in the band, because you know, obviously everybody had to approve me. You know, going out there and opening for for Leopard. And Joe said to me, he said, "I mean, I did. We did a run of about eight shows in the two thousand and two, um, and." Joe and that was a test because they were going out the following year doing a world tour and Joe sort of said look if these shows work out for you we'll take you out he said if you're going to suck and it's not going to happen you'll know and I'll know and that'll be it but you know so he was very he was very honest with me you know not that he needed to be because I knew I knew that you know if I didn't deliver the goods or get a reaction um then that was my shot and that was it so be it well hey like you said yeah you gotta take a chance 
Uh, before we get out of here, uh, what's going on with Black Star Riders? New album in the can? When's that coming out? Well, we're good. Scott Gorham just had a really big birthday. Scott Gorham just turned 70. So we're wishing him um, many happy returns and celebrating the, the wondrous Scott Gorham. And we are hoping to get into the studio at the tail end of the summer to record album number five. Uh, well, great. Congratulations. We look forward to it. And, you know, we'll do everything we can over here at Metal Mayhem ROC to promote the When Life Was Hard and Fast, new Ricky Warwick solo album. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care of yourself, sir. And uh, we'll see you on tour very soon. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. All the best. All right. Cheers, bud. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to tonight's discussion. Any questions or comments, please share with us at MetalMayhemROC.com. Now, we are back. Back to the rest of tonight's show. We welcome back to the studio my co-host and brother in metal, Metal Forever Mark. Hey, Mark, what's going on, man? Hey, Vernomatic. As always, good to be back here in the saddle in the Metal Mayhem ROC studios in Rochester, New York. Well, it's uh, it's good to have you back. It's usually like once a month we're up in the studio, and the rest of the time we bring the feature interviews. So uh, uh, what do we got tonight, buddy? Yeah, man, you know, all that heavy metal homework and all this research and all that craziness. Um, this is our, again, another classic vintage so- show segment by Metal Mayhem ROC. It's called Metal Confession. We've been slipping this into our interviews wherever we can. Some artists are confused. Others don't want to divulge. Some go full mm-hmm. on, like <laughs> the last one yeah. did, went full assault on, I guess, uh, Ingve. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, Metal Confession is best. So this reminds me of our other interview we had with our boy Metal Walt uh, from New Jersey, who you know sneaks into shows with crappy credentials and records them and bootlegs them. So, Fernomatic, what's your – and I know you probably have a ton of these, so you got to pick one. I, I was thinking about this, and I came up with a good one. <laughs> All right, best and quickest backstage story – Similar to Metal Walt, either you snuck into the actual show or backstage or both. Well, it's not exactly backstage. How about front of the stage? Okay. It was, uh, let me paint this picture. It was Weedsport, New York, summer of 1989. I went up to a Metallica and the Cult concert. It was the Metallica and Justice Tour, the summer tour with the Cult. And... I had I went down to the local uh, sports shop and I had a really tight white golf shirt, collared golf shirt, and on the back I had them put security on it. Okay, <laughs> but now you know where this is going, and you know I'm a big guy, but you know back in 1989 I was a little more defined and you know a couple Budweisers. So the plan here was, once the band went on stage, me. I was going to act the role of the uh, security guard and my buddy, I'll keep his name out of this, was going to act the part of the belligerent out of control meddler. And so, uh, you know, you didn't have his shirt on. And so right when the band started about one song into it, we started from the back of the floor. Now, folks, this is an outdoor show at an old racetrack. So the ground had wood chips in it, and it was just like a big dust bowl. It was like middle of July. And we went from the back of the back of the state, back of the grounds, all the way up to the front of the stage by me pushing my buddy through the crowd saying, security, security, out of the way, out of the way. And I'm telling you, no shit, that the crowd, like, 
like parted like the Red Sea. But usually it's the other way when you're going from this front of the stage back. We went all the way up to the front and stayed right there by the second song when they, you know, they were finishing with, I think the second song on that tour was either Creeping Death or uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. But it's a metal confession. It's uh, <laughs> something that happens at shows and it's 100% true. Uh, classic, classic. So I've got a whole bunch. It's hard for me to just pick one and maybe we'll do this one another topic because I know we've got more to share. Uh, there's one in particular I, I want to tell that involves meeting Ronnie James Dio, which was super kick-ass. But um, the one I'm picking for tonight's show is uh, a buddy of mine went to Motley Crue at Meriwether Post Pavilion in Maryland. And uh, we had just been like a month prior to a Metallica show where we actually did get backstage passes and we got hooked up and we knew where the meet greet was. So the show ends and my buddy's like, hey, man. He's like, dude, we got to get backstage and see Motley Crue. I'm like, yeah, dude, but we don't have passes and stuff. He goes, yeah, but dude, we know exactly where to go because the Metallica thing. Let's just make it look like we know what we're doing. And so I think we had our old Metallica passes or something. So, we, of course, we go up there. We're trying to blend in. Uh, my brother, my buddy's in front of me. He ends up getting taught. Like, he gets, no, dude, that's the wrong pass. And then while that ruckus is going on, I actually slipped in. And I, and I went straight back. And nobody stopped me. And so... I end up back there somehow, and then we're waiting for the band to come out. And all of a sudden, this is like 20 minutes go by, like I guess Nikki Six comes out, and nobody's checking our path. Like at this point, I just blend in, and I'm back there. Nobody's saying a word. I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> My buddy comes rolling in, ripped shirt, ripped pants, just like he looked good. The dude looked like he's been through war. And I'm like, dude, what happened to you, man? He's like, oh, bro. He's like, dude, I, I got tossed, so... I went around the back and I climbed over this barbed wire fence and I ended up on the roof of the shack and then I had to jump 20 feet and like he's just telling me this crazy story. It's awesome. He, he went through barbed wire and the whole thing. But sure enough, man, boom, he made, he showed up and he made it. And so there we were drinking beers with Motley Crue and their fan club. Uh, metal confession. We did not belong there. We did not have passes. But because we knew where we were going, we decided to go for it. So there you have it. That's awesome, man. That's uh, that's what it's all <laughs> that's, about. It's heavy metal, man. Man, if we could yeah. only go back in time. Oh, God, oh, man. <laughs> that's good stuff, Mark. So that's about it for tonight. Um, remember to visit the website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Check out some of our old episodes. Sign up for the email newsletter. And come rock out with us on Monday nights on ThatMetalStation.com as the Vernomatic brings you metal mayhem roc live until then for my partner in metal crime metal forever mark i'm mick vernomatic we'll talk to you next week and always remember keep it heavy metal for life thanks for listening to metal mayhem roc check out our websites at metal mayhem roc.com and metal for information on upcoming concerts podcasts archives and all sorts of info please like follow and share with everyone even your non-metal friends catch us next time on wlfe tv radio it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 